MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, October 6, 2021. Today, Joel Greenberg's attorneys have asked for another continuance in his sentencing. Merrick Garland defends the Department of Justice against criticism about charging decisions in capital riot cases. A Trump supporter is arrested outside the Supreme Court. And the head of the NYPD Sergeants Union home has been raided by the FBI. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, big news day. A huge news day. Like some of these stories are sort of hard to fathom, but they happened. <laughs> yes, they did happen. And we're going to tell you all about them and probably say fuck a lot. And uh, later, <laughs> I, I I actually am. I say fuck when I talk to Ellie Honig later. Um, he's the host of Up Against the Mob, a great new podcast, and the author of the book Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Department of Justice. We are going to talk about Garland's statements about the insurrection investigation. And uh, I, I just want to take a quick minute, Dana, to thank our patrons. Please. They're amazing. They make this show possible. They allow us to pay people really, really good money. And I really appreciate all of you. If you want to become a patron, you get to be for one, one low cost, one low cost of three dollars per month. You can be a patron of this show, of Muller She Wrote and the MSW Book Club. Right now we're doing Mary Trump's The Reckoning. What an important book that is. And uh, you get those episodes ad free. You get them early, you get to be part of our Zoom calls, meet and greets when I when I travel to cities. When we you know, if we do a tour, Dana, people will get presale ticket like Fabulous. you get so much stuff. Our weekly Zoom happy hour call access to our closed social media groups. Uh, it's just it's a lot of fun. So three bucks a month, thirty six dollars a year. You can do it at Patreon dot com slash Muller. She wrote or go to Supercast and look for the Daily Beans podcast. All right. We have a lot to get to, as I said, up top. And um, big stories, too. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today, in my mind, comes from the Middle District of Florida, where beleaguered former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg's attorneys have asked for yet another continuance on his sentencing. (laughs) So Greenberg is currently scheduled to be sentenced November 18th after a judge granted a previous request to reschedule it from August 19th. Now Greenberg's attorney, Fritz Scheller, is asking to push the sentencing back five more months to March of 2022. (laughs) In May, Greenberg formally pled guilty to six federal charges, admitting to a federal judge he had knowingly solicited and paid a minor for sex. The guilty plea from Greenberg, and, and, and by the way, minor for sex, that's a legal term of art. We know it's rape. The guilty plea from Greenberg, a former tax commissioner for Seminole County, came after he struck a deal with federal prosecutors to avoid most of the 33 federal charges he had faced, ranging from identity theft to fraud and bribery. As part of the plea agreement detailed in court filings, Greenberg has agreed to give substantial assistance to prosecutors as part of their sprawling investigation, including by testifying at trials or in federal grand juries if needed and turning over all documents he might have that could help the federal inquiry. In his latest motion to delay, Scheller writes that his client has been cooperating with the government and has participated in a series of proffers or meetings with prosecutors. That's like that queen for a day thing. 
He says his client expects to participate in additional sessions and that cooperation could impact his eventual sentence. So this news, coupled with a few other things, including the recent Rodriguez guilty plea from August. Rodriguez was that sham candidate that they paid $44,000 to run against the Democrat Rodriguez as a a third party, which gave the Republican more votes. They siphoned votes from from the uh, Democrat Rodriguez. So Rodriguez pled guilty. Right around the time Greenberg's sentence was pushed back the first time. The fact that Maddie, good old Matt Gates, uh, has hired three out of town trial lawyers recently indicates that he's expecting a trial and is going for what what, uh, Joyce Vance and Barb McQuaid and Jill Weinbanks call a scorched earth approach, Dana, meaning Mm -hmm. you're bringing out of towners in because they can come in and be assholes and not have to come back into that courtroom again. Mm hmm. And then, of course, there's the incident where Daddy Gates paid, agreed to pay $15.5 million for a pardon. Just a couple bucks. For his boy. And he actually ended up wiring money. And you don't, I, who pays for a pardon for innocent people? You know, no one. Nobody. No one is the answer. And then, of course, we reported previously that a lawyer familiar with this case predicted that the sentencing would be pushed back again because generally, you don't get sentenced until after the indictments come down and after the trial is over. And uh, we saw it with uh, Rick Gates. We, we saw it with Manafort until he blew up his plea agreement. We saw it with Flynn until he blew up his plea agreement. He was supposed to participate in and testify in the trial of Bijan Kian, who he was, you know, doing that turkey stuff with, lobbying improperly for a foreign country <laughs> without registering with the Department of Justice. And had Flynn kept his plea agreement going, he wouldn't he would have probably been sentenced after that Bijan Kian conviction. But of course, he blew it up because he had a pardon waiting for him at the end of the rainbow. Joel Greenberg doesn't have a pardon waiting for him. Joel Greenberg only has reduced sentencing and, you know, dropping of 26 or 27 charges in that 33 count indictment. So this isn't a stalled delay tactic. Uh, I don't know if it means the indictments won't come sooner or later or if at all. We haven't heard a charging decision yet, but this is a a substantial delay indicative of the scope of the probe and not an indication that the investigation is stalling. We had reported recently, like I said, that that lawyer familiar with the case predicted the sentencing would be delayed. And again, not only just past indictments, but possibly be on the trial. So this is good news. Absolutely good news. I mean, listen, this is just a conspiracy. I'm just saying it would be lovely if somehow this was connected to the Epstein. I'm just saying that if somehow... (laughs) These two overlapped a little bit. Okay. (laughs) We've got this next one is from our friend Adam Klasfeld at Law and Crime. Now, a Michigan man has been arrested after Capitol Police extracted him from a suspicious SUV parked in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Capitol Police announced that on Tuesday. This morning at about 9.30 a.m., and this is a quote, a man pulled his SUV up to the front of the Supreme Court. This is from Deputy Chief Jason Bell. He told reporters during a press conference, he continued to say it was illegally parked. Our officers immediately responded. The man refused to talk, made a statement to the effect of, the time for talking is done. Mm. Now, the deputies said that police backed off, uh, smart, and had their crisis negotiation team get involved. This is another quote from the story. The man was refusing to speak, and at approximately 11 o'clock, our teams moved in and removed him from the vehicle and placed him under arrest. That was again from Bell. He said at this time, no weapons have been found. It is currently under investigation. It's still an active crime scene. Now, Capitol Police first announced their investigation of a suspicious vehicle in front of the Supreme Court 
at 9.51 a.m. Eastern Time, that was minutes before the start time of its second day of oral arguments for its fall session. Capitol Police would not answer questions about whether the incident was politically motivated. Multiple reporters described hearing loud noises outside of Congress, which I'm sure is very unsettling to Congress at this point. (laughs) And the UK Telegraph cited others describing a, quote, controlled explosion. Now, Capitol Police signaled that they would release more information soon via a press release. They did not immediately respond to law and crimes press inquiry. So thank you for giving us that. And I think that controlled explosion, Dana, was a flashbang they used to get the guy out of his vehicle. That would make a lot of sense. So that's that's what they heard. All right, let's move forth, Sally Forth, in Merrick Garland news. Attorney General Merrick Garland on Monday defended the Justice Department against claims that it is not charging the rioters who breached the Capitol on January 6th harshly enough. Quote, Prosecutors involved in this case are making determinations in every case about what charge fits the offense, what charge fits the law, That's what Garland said during this interview for the New Yorker Festival when he was asked about the criticisms, which have come from outside observers and at least one of the judges presiding over the case. If you'll remember, that's Judge Beryl Howell. Many of the defendants have charged. uh, I think actually Emmett Sullivan did, too. I could be wrong, but yeah, maybe not. Many of the defendants have been charged only with misdemeanors and some low level offenders have reached plea deals that will likely allow them to avoid jail time. Garland said, I'm quite aware that there are people who are criticizing us for not prosecuting sufficiently and others who are complaining that we're prosecuting too harshly. This is, you know, part of the territory for any prosecutor in any case. I have great confidence in the prosecutors who are doing these cases. And that last sentence there is what I like to focus on because he's defending his line prosecutors, Mm -hmm. whether we agree with them or not. And that's what an attorney general should do. But Ellie and I are going to talk a little bit more about that and what probably he could or should be doing. But then here's the thing. When asked about the question of accountability for the former guy, for Donald, Garland pointed to the department policy limiting public comments on pending investigations or individuals. So you're telling me there's a chance. Now, I find his choice of words interesting. He said pending investigation with regards to Trump and the insurrection. He didn't simply refuse to answer the question, saying no comment, nor did he say, I can't confirm or deny the existence of an investigation. And I may be reading too much into it, but this statement begs the question, why then haven't we heard any reporting confirming an investigation? And not from him, because he's not supposed to say. Right. But but from, you know, tons of others. We we haven't seen any subpoenas filed, though they could be filed under seal. We haven't seen a lot of stuff. And that's what I'm going to talk to Ellie about later in the show. And um, it's still possible that he is and it's possible that he isn't so we have to we have to wait and see unfortunately along with many other things that we've had to lately this last story is the one that sort of blows my mind Uh, federal investigators on tuesday morning raided the manhattan office of one of new york city's main police unions in connection with an ongoing investigation that's according to two people with knowledge of the matter The union, the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, represents about 13,000 active and retired police sergeants in New York. Now, its headquarters were searched as part of an investigation by the FBI and the Public Corruption Unit in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan. That's what People Close said. Now, investigators also executed a search warrant at the Long Island home of the union's president, Edward D. Mullins. He's a QAnon cultist who has appeared several times on Fox News. That is not who I want in charge of this association. (laughs) Although the precise focus and scope of the investigation cannot immediately be determined, the search for Mr. Mullins' home suggests that the inquiry is at least in some measure focused, obviously, directly on him. 
Now, though the focus of the investigation into the Sergeant's Benevolent Association is unclear, it comes as Mr. Mullins faces departmental discipline over his conduct on social media. Now, known in recent years for making brash and incendiary remarks on Twitter, particularly about Mayor de Blasio, Mr. Mullins declared war on the mayor last year after two officers were shot, accusing Mr. de Blasio of promoting anti-police attitudes. So Mr. Mullins is being brought up for department discipline over his post on Twitter, including for sharing a police report documenting the arrest of Mr. de Blasio's daughter during protests over police brutality and racial justice in New York last year. Wow. So it looks like they, I I mean, I don't want to call a white supremacist a white supremacist if he's not a white supremacist. (laughs) However, comma, he just doesn't seem to be supporting much racial justice movements in New York. Yeah, if the hood fits. I mean... If the eyes are cut out. <laughs> right in the right spot, you know. <laughs> and they're not just air holes. Because you don't have a Charlie Kirk face where Correct. your eyes are right next to you. No, I shouldn't make fun of people. No, no, no. I'm no. sorry. Nope. I just make fun of their hoods. All right. We'll be right back with Ellie Honig. We're going to discuss the insurrection investigation and what could or could not be going on inside the Department of Justice. You're probably not going to like it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I'm, I have hope. So we will have that discussion right after this. Stay with us. After these messages... Hey everybody, it's AG. If you've ever woken up in the morning feeling more exhausted than when you went to bed, it could be that you're sleeping on the wrong mattress. To get the best night's sleep of your life, do what I did and take the online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com dailybeans. Helix will match your sleep preferences and body type with a mattress that's perfect for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have ones ideal for regulating body temperature if you sleep hot. They have ones that are specifically for side sleepers and back sleepers. They have ones that are great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. And they even have a Helix Plus for our beautiful plus size sleepers. My quiz matched me with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium fur mattress and I sleep on my side. So it's perfect for me. Now I wake up feeling rested, refreshed and energized. Helix has over 12,000 five star reviews and was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go to solution for improving sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps, risk-free. And they even have financing options available and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So soon we meet again, Ellie. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we we go where the news takes us. (laughs) We do. We have to. First of all, everybody, please welcome the author of Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Justice Department, which we just finished covering on the MSW Book Club. So I recommend picking up the book and listening to that series. And then, of course, the host of the the new podcast, Up Against the Mob. And of course, uh, your other podcast, Third Degree. Thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be with you. Always glad to talk DOJ business. Yes, DOJ business, because here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> Attorney, Attorney General Merrick Garland on Monday after, you know, we had already spoken, defended the Justice Department against several claims. Let's talk about the first one, that he's going too easy on some of these insura- boots on the ground insurrectionists. Yeah, I, I sort of disagree with the headline characterization, which I saw there, of defended. I mean, he really didn't offer up much beyond just saying, we're doing the right thing, we're going to go, you know, we the facts and the law, the facts and the law. I mean, look, Merrick Garland is not a liar like Bill Barr is or was. However, Bill Barr used to say the same thing. I just go wherever the facts and the law lead me. Facts and the law, wherever we land. Now, 
Again, Merrick Garland has shown no evidence of of lying in in the way Bill Barr did, but it's not much of a defense of what he's done. It's more of just a conclusory statement that like, I've got it all under control. Don't worry about it. That said, that said, I don't know how much more Merrick Garland could have properly said publicly in this kind of setting. I don't know that he could have come out and said, oh, people have been criticizing me for going too light. Let me just assure you there's much heavier stuff to come. I guess maybe he could have said that. That's sort of general enough. But um, it, it wasn't much of a defense. It was just a sort of trust me. That said, if you look at the record thus far on the January 6th prosecutions, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of reason to trust that Merrick Garland's going to come down appropriately, appropriately severely on the people who did this. Yeah. And, and you know, although I guess on the other side of this, this is really what the what the prosecutors uh, are deciding. I don't know that every single, you know, of the 600 defendants on the ground are being run up, you know, that the, that the, the sentencing yep. memorandums are being run up through Garland. And then, of course, he is kind of doing a thing, you know, which you talk about in Hatchet Man, where Barr left his prosecutors out to dry. And I feel like Merrick Garland is kind of defending them here, quote unquote defending, because like you say, all he says is, I'm aware that there are people who are criticizing us for not prosecuting sufficiently and those who are complaining we're doing it too harshly. This is part of the territory. But he does say, I have great confidence in the prosecutors who are doing the cases. So I, I think on, on one hand, I agree with Judge Beryl Howell that these are very light sentences and very light fines for, you know, somebody who's parading or tra- this isn't somebody who got caught smoking in, in a in a federal building. This is somebody who's part of an insurrection. And I, I feel like that's not being weighted like aggravating factors or whatever in these sentencing memorandums. But at least he's defending his prosecutors. Yeah, I agree that it's very good to see that he's clearly trying to lend them some support and sort of give them a, you know, I've got your back, which is good. And a noted contrast from the way Bill Barr dealt with his line, folks line, meaning the people who are handling the cases. You know, it's an interesting question you raised. I agree. I think it's very unlikely, uh, unfeasible, infeasible that Merrick Garland is micromanaging every one of these cases and approving the pleas and the sentencing recommendations in every one of these 600 cases. That said, I don't give him the sort of arm's length excuse here because he certainly um, has the ability and, uh, you know, to shape where, what they're doing generally. He has every ability to say, hold hold up, guys, here. What's with all the misdemeanors, mm-hmm. right? Why are we letting, right? I mean, so he, he can see the same thing we can see and obviously much mm-hmm. more. And he's obviously okay with the way that a, a big number of these cases have been charged and pled out as misdemeanors. And And let me just be specific for the listeners what my criticisms are with Merrick Garland regarding the January 6th prosecutions. A few things. First of all, They have charged and took guilty pleas to far too many misdemeanors. Look, everyone who stepped foot in that Capitol committed a misdemeanor, trespass, disorderly conduct, that kind of thing. However, I believe it's fairly clear that every person who entered the Capitol that day also committed felony crimes, including obstruction of Congress. Why were they there? Why were they in the Capitol? Why was it done on January 6th? Because they were trying to get in the way of Congress counting the electoral ballots. And somebody at DOJ, and, and ultimately Merrick Garland's responsible for this, has made a decision. Let's take those people who didn't perhaps commit property crimes, didn't smash things, didn't threaten public officials, um, and let's just let them go with misdemeanors. And I, I disagree with that. I think that's wrong. I criticize them for that. Um, The other thing is Merrick Garland has not charged a single person. The DOJ has not charged a single person with sedition yet. People, you and I have discussed this, but people hear sedition and they think overthrow of government. I think there's an argument that's what exactly what was going on, Mm -hmm. but you don't need all that. All you need 
is taking over a federal building without authorization, forcefully. That is sedition. Trying to obstruct administration of a law, that is sedition. So no sedition charges. And then this is the last one, which I think is a little bit of um, uh, an article of faith and sort of reading the tea leaves, is it doesn't appear, it's possible, but it doesn't appear that Merrick Garland and DOJ have taken a serious look at people above the ground level. Remember, Garland vowed, I will follow the leads as high as they go and wherever they take me. And I always remember that one uh, Capitol Police officer who urged the committee, really, um, the January 6th committee, he said, look, we can tell you all day about what happened inside the Capitol, but we need you all to look at the higher levels, the more powerful people. Maybe Garland is doing that. Maybe DOJ is doing that in a very, very secretive way that has left no public trace um, and no leaks and no indication, but I've not seen it. Yeah, and, and we'll talk about that in a second mm-hmm. because he, he, he was specifically asked about Donald. But uh, back to the, the boots on the ground, folks, I would have at least expected to hear from someone, anyone, that perhaps Merrick Garland had spoken to line prosecutors and said something about uh, addressed the lenient charges. And so and and we have actually, uh, I think yesterday, Ellie, we had a judge where the prosecutors weren't recommending any jail time. And the judge is like, fuck that. I'm giving you 45 days, bro. That understand you know? how how unusual that is. I mean, for yeah. prosecutors, uh, gosh, I'm trying to I'm sure it's happened, but I'm just trying to think back in my eight and a half years at the SDNY, not just my own cases, but all of my colleagues, any case, I'm trying to think if I've ever heard of a federal case where the prosecutor said, I recommend probation or non-incarceration. And the judge said, no, I disagree. I'm sending this person to prison. I'm not sure I've ever heard of that. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that just goes, it's further evidence that, that a lot of these cases are being undercharged. And then of course, there's the argument, which I'd like to hear your thoughts on, that, you know, the docket is so backed up that if they charged felonies that plead not guilty, we'd have all these trials. It would be going until 2025 because it was already backed up to start with because of COVID. But I personally don't think that how long it would take should be a consideration. Although, I mean, there is the, the you know, right to a speedy trial thing. Um, maybe they're trying to prevent uh, acquittals for for violating that rule but like yeah and it's also just another another excuse to or evidence that we should probably expand the federal bench but that's just me i i yeah I, i'm not buying this either first of all don't get rid of cases cheap just because you can't get around to it especially not when they're the january 6 cases right i mean you know y- you have to be able to chew what you bite off let's start with that um and these are the highest priority cases i mean merrick garland himself has said that. Yeah, I don't think speedy trial is too much of an issue. These aren't overly complex cases. I mean, even if a defendant insisted on immediate speedy trial, you'd have a couple months. You could easily put that case on. So, mm. no, I, I don't think they're doing it just out of expediency. Look, I, I do think it's valuable to lock up pleas quickly and efficiently, but not at the cost. I mean, look, I can plead out any case you want. If, if you give me authorization to plead it to a misdemeanor, I'll, I'll get rid of your whole docket, right? I mean, but that's <laughs> that's not what prosecutors ought to be doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And then I do want to address the Merrick Garland statement about specifically Donald, if not other leaders of the insurrection. But I have to take a quick break. Will you hang around? Of course. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. And this portion of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Allform, a company that makes beautiful furniture according to your specifications. The premium furniture Allform creates is tailored to exactly meet your needs and is delivered to your doorstep free of charge. With Allform, you can customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of most other stores. And it's all up to you which color, size, shape, configuration, and fabric you want. And that fabric is spill, stain, and scratch resistant as well, so it's great for people with pod pets. 
I selected a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather with walnut legs and a chaise lounge. It is comfortable, stylish. It's I love working in it and looks great. And all form ships fast. It arrives in the mail in just three to seven days, and it's easy to put together. No tools are required. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, so you can always start small and buy more seats and add on to it if your house gets bigger or your family grows. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So there's no risk here. Further, they have a forever warranty, like literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform right now is offering 20% off all orders for listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. Welcome back. We're talking to the author of Hatchet Man and the host of Up Against the Mob. Great, amazing new podcast, by the way, Ellie Honig. Ellie, before the break, you had briefly mentioned you know, talk, we were kind of moving away from the boots on the ground, kind of light sentences, and we're moving, we're moving toward like the leaders of the insurrection. And, and there's a lot of folks out there, myself included, who think it's, it would be impossible to divorce the two in an investigation. But we haven't heard hide nor hair about any of that going on. But let me just read to you what, what Merrick Garland said about accountability for the former guy, former, mm-hmm. former President Donald. He pointed to the department policy limiting public comments on pending investigations sure. or individuals, which we all agree with. He's, but he said specifically, and I think he's pretty deliberate with his words, but I could be reading too much into this. I don't know. He says, we are doing everything we can to ensure the perpetrators of January 6th are brought to justice. We will follow the facts and the law where they land. And let me, let me just uh, say what he, he said here about when he was asked about ac- accountability for former President Donald Trump. He said, Garland pointed to the department policy limiting public comments on pending investigations or individuals. And I I think there's a difference between saying, I can't confirm or deny there's an investigation, or I'm not going to just flat out saying I'm not going to comment on that. He he did say a pending investigation or individuals. What what does, if we can parse these words out, what does a pending investigation mean? He's going to get to it or... It might happen and we don't know yet. What does pending mean? Well, pending means it's ongoing in some way. I wouldn't really read too much into that distinction because you you can, if I'm in the AG's chair and I'm sure he's, you construe the investigation as broadly as possible. Anything that the investigation could touch on. And by the way, he was right to say, um, I can't comment. I mean, you know, look, as as gratifying as it would be, as much as you or I would like to hear him say, all right, let me fill you in. <laughs> we're taking a hard look at Donald Trump. We think we have this in our favor and this against us, and we're going to get there by next Wednesday. Like, you know, I would be interested in that, but it would be very inappropriate for him to say that. So in, instead, we get the sort of boilerplate facts and law, pending investigation, that kind of thing, which is really a, essentially a no comment, but an appropriate no comment. But, you know, again, if you had an investigation of whether it's Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, um, and by the way, interesting thing that when you look at who the January 6th committee, the, the congressional committee is subpoenaing, it looks like they have reason to believe that there's some level of coordination between the rally organizers and public officials, maybe the White House, the campaign. So if you were, if DOJ was really investigating those, here's how we might find out. People say, well, how would you know? You know, you're not at DOJ. Fair, fair question. One is just reporting. I mean, reporting is pretty darn good at detecting an ongoing investigation. I mean, in the Mueller case, when the Mueller report came out, we already knew virtually everything that was in there because of good reporting. Not to say, you know, sometimes a case 
AJ, you said the other day, Tom Barrett, good example. We didn't see that one coming. I think the Steve Bannon investigation for the We Build the Wall, that thing just dropped seemingly out of nowhere. So <laughs> it's possible we wouldn't hear about it. Um, also, though, if you start subpoenaing people, if you start subpoenaing, sending the kind of subpoena, if DOJ was sending the same kind of subpoenas that Congress was sending, we would know about that. Subpoenas are public. People who receive them often publicize them. They're allowed to. Um, the fact that they got a subpoena. There's no indication that they've sent out any subpoenas. Witnesses who get talked to are allowed usually to come forward and say, hey, the FBI approached me. DOJ asked me to come in. We've not heard any of that either. So I guess what I'd say is we don't know for sure whether Garland is taking a serious look or what he's doing with respect to organizer types, but there is no indication where we usually, not always, but usually would see some indication of it. Yeah. And I think something else that people have brought up is when, you know, Benny Thompson said they're working closely with the Department of Justice because they're doing parallel investigations. And we know that the select committee is is looking at the leaders, right, mm -hmm. the organizers and the funders. But he, they that could also mean that there's a parallel investigation just with the boots on the ground, folks, because the, the select committee is going to be bringing in some of the rioters to testify, too. So it, they, it's not clear whether Benny Thompson meant parallel investigation into Trump, Rudy Stone, Alex Jones, or whether they meant parallel investigation into boots on the ground or just the entire insurrection investigation as a whole was not made clear to us. Yeah. And there's an interesting dynamic anytime you have a prosecution, a criminal investigation going concurrently or at the same time as a congressional investigation, which is typically if you're the prosecutor, you don't want Congress to get in your way to step on your feet. You don't want them subpoenaing witnesses who you want to talk to. You don't want them getting testimony out there from key witnesses who you're going to be relying on. You just don't, you know, you don't need that. That that, that just creates problems. On the other hand, it could be that it, from the looks of things, the January 6th committee may have more information or at least more information that we can see that they have than DOJ. And they may come up with information that DOJ didn't get, in which case DOJ may use that uh, for additional leads. So there's sort of a delicate dance there. I guess I would say the most important thing is that they're coordinating, is that they're talking, because you don't want them stepping on each other's feet, getting in each other's way, working at cross purposes. Yeah, which leads me to my final question, which you cover in your book, Hatchet Man, which I think is very important to, to discuss when we talk about all of this, especially, you know, Congress stepping on their toes or getting public testimony out there. The policy is in place that we don't comment on ongoing investigations because it could potentially damage that investigation. Can you explain how public testimony like that in Congress without coordinating with DOJ or the attorney general or like Mike Sherwin, for example, coming out and say, we're looking at seditious conspiracy charges? Well, how is that potentially damaging to an investigation? Yeah, it's a good question. So, by the way, Bill Barr violated this policy several times. <laughs> yes, um, he did. You know, I mean, a couple examples. He came out and um, and commented on the substance of the Durham investigation, the never ending Durham investigation, and essentially suggested, said straight up, like, I expect I'm you know paraphrasing here, but I expect big explosive things out of John Durham. And we think the inspector general got it wrong when he said that this investigation was legitimately open. And at another point. Barr made comments about um, a ballot investigation in Pennsylvania Texas, that ended yeah. up being BS and the Texas thing that ended up being yeah. BS. Um, so that's the danger. What, what's what's the fear if you're a prosecutor? You don't want your witness, if your witness, let's say you're prosecuting this case or you're investigating this criminally and you have a key witness and that person gets subpoenaed by Congress and goes in front of the cameras and testifies in Congress. There's a couple of fears. First of all, the more a witness is on record, the more potential inconsistencies, contradictions, even if someone's being honest, they're never going to tell the story the exact same way twice, especially in, in the bizarre 
procedure of a congressional <laughs> inquiry, right? Where each person gets five minutes and your answers get cut off and you don't get to give full explanations, right? That's a disaster for prosecutors where someone's going to just get to say two words and then get cut off and yelled at. They're, you know, they're going to be accused of not giving the full story. It just creates what we call jiggly problem. Credibility problems is the better way to put it. And does that and so that can like uh, threaten your ability to not just obtain but maintain a conviction on yeah. appeal. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and in front of a jury as well. Right. They'll say, yeah. well, you testified in front of Congress, but you never said this. It's like, well, no, no senator ever asked me that, you know. So that's number one. But number two is you don't want to tip off the people you're investigating, who you might be looking at, what charges you might be looking at, who might be cooperating, because then they can, you know, worst case scenario, get rid of evidence. But they can, you know, even less than that, they can just change their stories. They can try to sort of bob and weave around what they know you have. They can get together. They can intimidate witnesses. I mean, there's any number of things that can go wrong. I mean, there's there's a reason, a very good reason why prosecutors and grand juries do as much of their work as possible in secret. So it is it is potentially compromising when you have congressional investigations out there. On the other hand, I will say, I do think the fact that the January 6th committee they're not moving super fast. They're giving some indications, but I do think that's helping to satisfy the public desire for some answers on January 6th in a way that goes beyond what we've seen from DOJ thus far. Yeah, I, I would have issued the subpoenas to to possible recalcitrant witnesses like months ago to get that whole process started. But yeah. that's you know, that's well, just listen, me. I, I, uh, I've been I've been, you know, sort of beating this drum, which is like, keep your eye on the clock. I mean, I know it feels like the January 6th committee is moving, but let's let's do a little mm -hmm. math here. Right. They have two years. This thing happened January 6th, 2021. They're out of there January 3rd, 2023. Maybe it'll be a new Republican majority. Seemingly, if you if you look at history, that's likely. But either way, they can't drag it much beyond that. Well, we're almost halfway in now. We're, we're in early yeah. October and what have they done? They did one day of here of testimony from the cops, which was very important. And they've issued a handful of subpoenas where they've just they're just starting to not they haven't even begun the legal battle with these guys, with the Bannons, the Meadows, the Scavinos. And it's only going to get longer and more protracted in the courts. So uh, they need to step it up a bit if you look at the calendar. Yeah, I have I have a sinking feeling that they're trying to they're playing a dangerous game, trying to line it up with the elections next year, oh. which puts you very close to the end of the ability to run the investigation. I, I wish they would just go all out and let 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 the information come out when it comes out, not when it's most politically beneficial. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, look, I never want to see. I mean, it's Congress. So, of course, they're going to do what's politically beneficial. But I think it's right. a, I think it's a foolish game if you say, hey, we the Democrats and, and, the, and the committee, we want to we want to slow play this so it drops as soon as, as close as possible to November when the other side, all they're trying to do is delay, 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 slow play. All they have to do is push <laughs> it another couple of weeks past the election. Yeah. So you're playing right into their hands if that's if that's the strategy. I hope that's not the case. I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say it isn't, but I'm not sure why it's not moving faster than yeah. it is unless, I mean, they are doing a lot of work behind the scenes. It is a massive investigation. Ellie, thanks for your time today. Yeah, I really recommend everybody get Hatchet Man, listen to the MSW Book Club series about it. And then uh, tell us just a little bit about Up Against the Mob and where you can get it. It's all in the title, Up Against the Mob. This is what I did <laughs> as a prosecutor. I went Up Against the Mob. It's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, something we put together through Vox Media and Cafe, which is Preet Bharara's uh, shop. So it, it was great. We you, we will bring you inside the mob like you've never seen. If you've seen the new Sopranos movie, I know there's a split in opinion on it. I've not seen it yet. But what I can tell you is my podcast has this advantage on it. 
it's real. My podcast is all real deals, hmm. real mobsters, defense lawyers, FBI agents who really did this stuff. Yeah, it reminds me of a quote in your book. And I, I, I apologize because I'm probably paraphrasing. But you said, you know, crime, prosecuting crime just wasn't our job. We, we strolled through crime every day. <laughs> True. Yes. Yeah, in I the Southern District was... of New York. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Even whether you're going down to flounces or the dead rabbit, it's all around you. <laughs> but thank you so much. We'll, we'll I'm sure we'll be talking soon wherever the news takes us, wherever the law takes us, Ellie. <laughs> Thanks, AJ. Appreciate it. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG from The Daily Beans. A good shower is the best. I always feel better. I get my best ideas in the shower. Showers and sleeping, my two favorite times of the day. And recently, I upgraded to the Nebbia by Moen, and I have the best shower now that I've ever had in my life. In fact, I just gutted my entire bathroom. I remodeled the whole thing, and I got rid of everything except my Nebbia by Moen. It was designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years developing a superior shower experience. And the Nebbia by Moen spa shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet, with twice the coverage, but about half the water usage of standard shower heads. Despite using 45% less water, the spray is 81% more powerful than the competition. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest hair, and installation is easy. It's as easy as changing a light bulb. I love the Nebbia. My shower is like a personal spa now. I get an invigorating steam room combined with a shower and like almost like a waterfall, like I'm engulfed in the, in the droplets. And the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $1.99. But for Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal for you. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 10% off all Nebbia products. Nebbia rarely does deals like this, so it's great to jump on. Go to nebbia.com slash beans. That's nebbia, N-E-B-I-A dot com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. The first 100 people to use code beans at checkout will save 10% on all Nebbia products. The only exception there is that pre-order products because Nebbia is currently offering free shipping on those in the U.S. Again, that's nebbia.com slash beans and use the code beans to save 10%. And today's show is also brought to you by Upstart. If you dread looking at your credit card statements, as I do, you are not alone. Obviously, the weight of debt can be crippling. But Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. Most of us, or a lot of us, have been living off credit cards during the pandemic, and those high interest rates will get you every time because you make the minimum payment, but the balance doesn't go down. It just leaves you in this endless cycle of debt. But with Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether you're paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than just looking at your credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and your employment history and your credit history. And that way they can find you a smarter rate for your loan. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's time for the good news. But let's kick the good news off with a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Dana. Yes, yes, dear. It appears that Donald has been left off Forbes 2021 list of the wealthiest 400 Americans. Oh, no. Now, I don't... Yeah. What, what magazine is a porn star going to slap his ass with if he's on the cover of it? Like, <laughs> the NRA, like, guns 
What 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 cover of a magazine? That would be a really good submission. Like, what is the next magazine Donald Trump will be on the cover of? Yeah, well, Forbes. I, I made it into Forbes this month, and Donald Trump didn't. I just want to nice point that out. Job, not for being one of the four hundred wealthy. <laughs> I was America. like, I'm going to request a raise as soon as we're <laughs> off air. <laughs> I just gave you an incredible bargaining position. You sure did. This is according to Forbes, who announced Tuesday that he's not going to be on that list. And this is the first time in 25 years he's not been on the list. And there's a reason why this happened. Yeah, the publication said the former president has slipped down the ranks due to his reliance on real estate holdings and his refusal to divest from them. Whoopsie! Great businessman, though. Super good businessman. Mm, Super good. Thanks a lot, Mark Barnett. (laughs) And some more good news before we get to the listener submissions. The Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles on Monday recommended a full posthumous pardon for George Floyd for 2004 drug charge he received and served 10 months in prison for in Houston. Floyd grew up in Houston and he was arrested there in 2004 during a police sting operation after he sold $10 worth of crack. The police officer who had arrested him, Gerald Goines, is now facing two counts of murder charges following a 2019 drug raid. He was accused of having lied to justify warrants in that raid. Sounds like an upstanding guy right there. Mm. An attorney with the Harris County Public's Defender's Office alleged Goines fabricated a confidential informant in Floyd's case and, quote, no one bothered to question the word of a veteran cop against that of a previously convicted Black man. That fucking quote Mm. is very powerful. Unfortunately, of course, the decision on whether or not to grant clemency now lies with Greg Abbott. Mm. So we will keep you posted on that. But the good news, the good news. Yeah, they're they're putting forth, they're requesting a full posthumous pardon. And, you know, I'm with you on that. That quote, no one bothered to question the word of a veteran cop against that of a previously convicted black man. He served 10 months for a $10 crack sale that was a sting operation where the officer fabricated a witness and this reminds me of brianna taylor the officers that got the no-knock warrant to enter her apartment when they murdered her and her boyfriend they lied to the judge to get that warrant saying she was picking up packages for her boyfriend Mm -hmm. it was not true it wasn't true at all all right uh we'll we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that i don't know about abbott you know i i mean hmm. Yeah, I'm not. But, I'm um, not putting any beans on that one. No, but it, it's nice that they're that they're putting this forth Absolutely. to recommend it. So, all right, on to the listener good news. And if you have good news, a confession, corrections, MSW Hallelujah Project verse. Find the cat, what the mutt, whatever games we're playing. You want to tell me how dumb you think Louis Gohmert is? You want to have your mixed up idioms read on the air? You can send it all in to us at dailybeanspod.com and clicking on, cl- clicking and clicking on contact. <laughs> um, oh, you tenses. Um, click, just click on contact. I'm going to kick us off, if that's okay. I would love if you did. Thank you, because I, I got to get out of this clicking hole. Yes, thing let's move myself into. <laughs> this is from Sarah. Pronoun she, her, hers. Hello, I have some good news to share. My 10-year-old daughter went to her first protest over the weekend. I brought her along to the Women's March for Abortion Rights in Texas. She was skeptical at first, not really knowing what a protest was, but told me afterwards she had fun and would do it again. We've been trying hard to raise her to be an activist for her rights, and this was just another step along the way. I've attached a couple pictures 
of her with her sign and a selfie we took as a funny. When I asked her who the VP is, she rattled off every time Kamala Harris, the first woman vice president. Nice. (laughs) Awesome. Keep up the great work. She's a huge fan of the show. And so am I. Thank you, Sarah's daughter. I love this photo. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And I love that jacket. Did they make that? I know. I don't know if they're jammies. It might be a hoodie. I hope it's footy pajamas. I hope she went to the protest (laughs) with that sign and footy pajamas. I got to I want to know if they make that hoodie in my size. I have I know. to know. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you for raising a fantastic child. This next yeah. one's from anonymous pronouns. She and her good morning beans. My shit kids say story comes from my 14 year old daughter. One day last month, I had an appointment with a gynecological oncologist about a fibroid I have fun stuff. After Ooh. the appointment, I picked up my daughter from school and she asked me about my appointment. I told her about it. And she asked, did you have to use that eyelash curler thing? It took me a beat or two to realize she meant a speculum. Now, normally, I refer to it as the curling iron. (laughs) But I guess she was close enough. Here are some pictures of my babies. Jack Tito, the black one. He's 17. Milo Shiitake, white and ginger. And just one. And Cleopatra, queen of denial, is white. Bichon is seven months. Oh, Queen of denial. I love it. Just found your show a month ago and listen to it every morning when I drive my 14-year-old to school. We both sing along the Daily Bean song, Thanks for All You Do. And these dogs in their gosh darn pajamas are adorable. Dogs in pajamas, dogs in pajamas. I love me some dogs in pajamas. Oh my gosh. All of these pictures. I have to tell you, uh, 14-year-old of school, sing along to the Daily Beans song. Thank you. May I recommend that song, by the way, Daily Beans, written and composed and performed by They Might Be Giants. I, 14 years old, is the perfect time to be introduced to They Might Be Giants. So maybe check out a little bit of their songbook because I think that you will both enjoy it if you don't already. I love them. Oh, my God. Look at little Bichon. So cute. Oh, (gasps) you have a Mr. Bill dog toy. Oh, no. Dana, when you when the dog bites that Mr. Bill, he goes, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's Mr. Mr. Bill. Bill. <laughs> so awesome. Thank you for that submission. Next up from Steve M. Pronouns he and him. Hello, Luguminati hierarchy. I absolutely adore all ye do, even in Europe. It helps keep us sane. Yay, you. Good news first. I've been accepted as a dog foster parent by my local SPCA, so I'm eagerly awaiting my first pup or mutt to nurture whenever required. Oh, great. So you can submit all kinds of pod pet tax, Steve. Second, here's a couple of local place names Irish for you to attempt to pronounce. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm so fucking glad you got this one. <laughs> uh, Remember, they're Irish. All right. Uh, du- uh, done. It looks like Lagori, Lagori, but it's probably like Lori, like Dunlory. Um, oh, here, look, most North Americans pronounce it Dunlagarara, but it's actually Dunleary. Oh, okay, so I was close. Rhymes with Sunbeery. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Stradbally seems easy, no? No, it's probably something like Sturbly. Um, instead of Stradbally, it's almost one syllable, Strably. Okay. You were very close on that one. Uh, most Irish folk from outside the county get this one wrong. Okay, cool. So it's not just me. Although I am Irish folk from outside your county, just way outside your county. As my last cat just passed, I shan't share pod pet tax. But instead, here are two absolutely adorable cuties awaiting loving homes, Mookie and Hannah. If anyone's listening in Ireland and can provide a gaff, they're at, oh, another town to pronounce. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank Laos. you, Steve. I think that one's Laos. 
L A O I S, Laos S P C A, the L S P C A dot I E. Thanks again for helping me smile through the darkest days. Love y'all. Look at the babies. Look at oh. the babies. Oh, God. Look at the nose. These are kitties. Oh. It's got a little mustache. I do oh. love kittens. They make me happy. So cute. You, you meeting Jack Bryan's tiny little kitty oh my the goodness. most adorable thing I've ever seen. <laughs> when he dumped her in my arms, I was like, oh my God. So Dana and I went over to Jack Bryan's house <laughs> with a couple of people who work at Bunker and, you know, the Active Measures doc. We're just hanging out. We're just hanging out, having a glass of wine. Sitting by a, there wasn't a fire. Was there a fire? No, no, no fire pit that time. And Jack has this tiny, tiny, like six pound Abyssinian. Yeah, but so, but full grown, like it wasn't a kitten. They're just tiny kittens. They're tiny kitties. Yeah. And this kitty is so lovey. And so (laughs) Jack's all here, just here, and just sets it in Dana's arms. And oh my God. Oh, I'd have taken her. Allergies or not, I would have taken her. Oh, and speaking of cuddly things, this is from Cuddly Turtle, pronouns she and her. Hmm. Ladies, the story about a child getting vaccinated who thought he was going to be shot gave me a flashback I haven't thought about in years. I, too, thought I was going to be shot with her traditional pew-pew gun. (laughs) (laughs) Traditional pew-pew gun. That's the best description of a firearm. I'm also very (laughs) proud of my sound effect on that. I had to wait until I was five to get my ears pierced which I very much wanted. My mom explained we would go to the jewelry store and they would use a gun to put it in the (laughs) earrings. Now, in my mind, the person would stand across the room and shoot at my head with a revolver. I had no concept of earring gun. Like that kid getting the vaccine, I was happy not to be shot with an actual pew-pew gun. It was in there again, but I wanted to. But it still really hurt. This would have been, let's say, 78, so certainly isn't a reflection of the current world just of a child's view. I don't even want to tell you how I got my ears pierced. It was awful. Okay, on a second note, I have also lost a job. Oh God, for doing the right thing. Oh, good. (laughs) Sorry, I'm having a moment with the submission. (laughs) I weirdly, like I'm the only one reading it. I weirdly gained some perspective with TFG when TFG won. Hillary got more votes, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I literally cried for days. But after processing, I came to realize the world is not fair. And he is exhibit A. Uh, He has done nothing but screw people over and yet still landed in the Oval Office. That perspective was oddly enough to take my rage down a few notches. Hmm. The Daily Beans has become my first podcast of the day. You bumped Rachel Maddow to second (gasps) place, which is not an easy feat. What? What? For pet tax, I give you Remy and Willow. They are coming home from day camp. Thus, Remy has something dried on his face. (laughs) He's got some snot. He's got dog Oh, my God, he does. Okay. So, first of all, wow. Bumped. You bumped Maddo. That's. I don't even know what to say. Uh, And I I have to tell you, because you you might know, if you listen to him back to back, Cuddly Turtle, which, which it seems like you do. I write the show and record it before Maddo comes out that night. And then we release it to you in the morning. And I have noticed because I watch Maddo every night. I've noticed that our shows are very similar. The topics that we tend to discuss are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make it clear. I do write this show and record this show before Maddo comes out that night. So that is true. I'm interested to know if you find similarities, the same similarities that I do. Also, I was, I got my ears pierced I think 1979. So I got my ears pierced AG at my neighbor's house. My neighbor, I'm not kidding, put an ice cube 
on my ear to numb it for about one minute and then pushed the earring through. That was it. And not a not a needle, not a safety pin, an earring, a nope. blunt, non-sharp a blunt earring. earring. That's how I got my ears pierced. And they've been in there ever since. And you hear the pop. Oh, yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's how I did my nose. I, oh. I put some ice on my nose, took a flame to the end of a safety pin. <gasps> Sh- oh my god we've a- lost so many people we've lost so many <laughs> listeners <laughs> shoved a potato up my nostril and just punk, just stuck it through oh, and it's god. been open i've had it i've had it forever i didn't wear it for 12 years well you know actually for a little bit longer than that from when i was in the military and when i worked at the for the government i i didn't wear it and i just put it back in after the former guy uh, decided to fire me oh my goodness yeah, and so it was still open I still can't believe he was sort of your boss for a while. Let's move on. Hilarious. Yeah, I know. I know. Next up for Megan, pronouns she and her. Hello to AG, DG, and all the Beans Queens who put together such an amazing podcast. Thank you, Megan. I've been a listener since the table days. Ah, kitchen table days. And finally have some good news to submit. First, the bad news. This past year has been nothing short of a nightmare for me, as it has been for so many others, as I racked up a list of fuck and not the good kind. (laughs) List of fuck. Number one, lost my job due to COVID. Had to go on unemployment. Two, was served custody papers by ex-wife, who for the second time sought to get full custody of our seven-year-old. Three, was cut off from my family after not asking nicely that they please do not vote for Trump. Asking nicely. Next, received a text message breakup from my girlfriend of four years. Good Lord. Text message breakup. Text message breakup. And then finally, had to have surgery in the middle of the pandemic to remove skin cancer from my nose. It was aggressively developing and threatening to mar my charming good looks. Ah, yes. Anyway, the amalgamation of these events turned me into an angry recluse. And as I willingly embraced the idea of the outside world as a hellscape, I no longer needed to participate in. I know that feeling, Megan. Now, fast forward to this past month and a gushing downpour of amazing news. Give it to me. All right, first, custody battle is over, and although I had to empty my retirement account to cover legal costs, I still have joint custody of my son. Worth it. Number two, my unemployment ran out the first week of September, and faced with not being able to pay rent for the first time in my adult life, I reached out to my father, who, by the way, has never offered me a dollar since I moved the lawn at age 15. Moved out at age 15? Mowed the lawn, dear. Mowed. (laughs) Mowed. All (laughs) righty. I read can Um, to my complete shock. He so quickly agreed to help that within minutes of me sending the I need money email, the two of us were in tears via FaceTime doing our best to reconnect despite our political and ideological polarity. And just last week, I landed the job opportunity of a lifetime. I will be working for the fire department as a mental health crisis responder. Nice. This is a pilot program to dispatch trained folks like me to respond to calls that the police are ill suited to manage. I cannot wait to be part of such a forward-thinking program as I believe wholeheartedly that the police should have zero role in these specific crisis situations. Agree. And although the job doesn't start until mid-November, I still need help with one more month of rent. At least now, the possibility of squeezing a few more dollars from my dad actually exists. (laughs) Wish me luck. Send me a, a, a message, Megan. I bet we can get this together for you. Again, hello at MullerSheWrote.com or AG at MullerSheWrote.com. Either one. Thank you both so goddamn much for being part of my morning routine and keeping me so well informed that it's child's play when trying to piss off my conservative family with facts. (laughs) That's what we're here for. (laughs) And Thanksgiving is coming up. This is an aside from me, A.G., 
while you're at Thanksgiving dinner, please feel free to take your relatives' phones and subscribe them to the Daily Beans podcast. It helps our numbers and it pisses them off. That would be amazing. It just pops in their ears from time to time. P.S. My charming good looks are still intact with all the cancer having been eradicated. Amazing. Amazing. Look at this fucking picture. For my pet tax, I've attached a picture of my sweet and dearly Miss Pug, Esther. Great name. She crossed the Rainbow Bridge three years ago. But hardly a day goes by. I don't think about her and all the love and joy she brought into my life. How could you not look at that face? Oh, it's like a painting of a pug. It really is like a painting of a pug. That would be a great painting, actually. It'd be an awesome tattoo. I don't know if you're into tattoos or not, Megan, but that would be a great tattoo. My goodness. Beautiful little face. (gasps) So adorable. I'm so glad things turned around for you, my friend. Mm, Me too. Me too. I mean, that that was rough, rough going there for a while. Yeah. But you're a warrior, Megan. You pulled it out. And here we are. And I'm so excited for you to do this job because the, the cops need to stop. Okay, so Dana, do you want to do this? Do you want to end with this, or should we save it for another podcast? (laughs) When I called the police on my abusive ex, Uh, yes, they they showed up, arrested him, called me the next day, asked if I wanted to press charges, and oh no, they didn't call me next day. They released him, and he came home. And then when the the detective called to see if I wanted to press charges. He, he was standing right next to me and had told me I, I had better say no. And so I said, no, no, I don't want to press charges. And the detective was like, you sure? And I was like, yes. And, and there's like, all right. Ugh. And I hung up. And then finally, when I was able to be alone for a minute, I called him back and said, yes, I want to press charges. They said, I'm sorry that the detective working your case is on vacation until January 6th. Oh, my God. I said, okay. So I called back on January 6th and he was like, sorry, it's too late. I already told the courts no. Uh, Even though the statute of limitations is two years, they refused to let me press charges again. So that is why we need folks like mental health counselors to be responding to situations like domestic violence. And, you know, especially uh, I just can't wait for this um, because you know, anyone ever, you know, whenever we talk about defunding the police or whatever, which for me just means moving the funds to these kinds of jobs. Absolutely. People say, oh, what are you going to do when you get raped next time? I'm like, well, both times the cops talked me out of filing a report and threatened me. Like, I, I don't really know too many um, survivors of domestic violence or, or survivors of sexual assault who've had a good response from from the police anyway probably just me um and i also don't mean to denigrate any officers who do the right thing uh but i think that this is such important work and i'm very glad you're doing it i'm very glad you're doing it me too Uh, i have some personal good news give it to us my uh procedure that i had a couple weeks ago yes um they had found some uh things and they had had removed them and biopsied them cancer-free no cancer thank goodness so very good news very good news Okay, I think that's all the good news I have. And uh, sorry for that little sort of bad news diversion there at the end. No, no, no. But but, uh, I'm just so appreciative of of the work that that uh, that she's going to be doing here come mid November. And again, like I said, email me. I bet we can. I bet we can make the rant happen. Anything else you want to? No, I don't. I want. I want to end on that. I think it's good stuff. All right. Well, that's it then, everybody. Until tomorrow. 
except for Matt Gates. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been a- a- AG. Yeah. <laughs> I've been DG. Yeah. Yeah. Them's the beans. Yeah, I think so. Them's, Them's the, the beans. 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 The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.